Welcome to the Junk Refund Show, hosted by Alan J. Cook, founder of 1-800-JUNK-REFUND. Have you ever paid those expensive junk removal companies to take away some of your stuff? Only to say to yourself, as a truck drives off down the street, some of that stuff wasn't junk. Did they try to sell it for you and give you some money back? No. Well... Now there is a company that can do just that. Listen to our weekly Junk Refund Show on BBS Radio TV to learn how one lady spent $375 on junk removal and got $3,200 back. 1-800-JUNK-REFUND represents the next generation of junk removal. Learn how to not only save your money on junk removal, but how to get some money coming back. Plus, purchase one of our radio vouchers during the show to save even more on your junk removal. Let's get the junk out of your home and out of your life. Now, with your host, Alan J. Cook. Hi, everybody, and welcome to my favorite hour of the week, Thursdays at 3 Eastern Time for the Junk Refund Show, where I get to hop on with our great producers, uh, Doug and Don Newsom, and their awesome uh, network that they've created, bbsradio.com, where we get to talk about all things junk removal, not only how to get the junk out of your home and your garage and et cetera, but also out of your life. And it's a lot of fun to have guests on the show who have done just that. It's fun to talk about the jobs that we've done and give you a little bit of insight into what uh, my life is like as a junk removal guy, basically trying to uh, clean up and simplify and declutter the world a at a time. So to speak, needless to say, I have my work cut out for me, as do all the other junk removal companies that are out there. But we have a lot of fun doing it, and what we do different than everybody else is that we recognize that not all junk is junk. And so when we haul away some stuff that's good and a good couch or good love, whatever it might be, I think someone else might buy, we'll put it up for sale, and if it sells, then the person that hired us gets money back. Plus, you have the option of getting some money back with us, which we think is a pretty good idea. Um, brings me to a an interesting point that I would talk about when I would go around and speak in sales meetings at uh, real estate offices in the Washington, D.C. area. I would hold up my business card, and I would show them the front of my card, and I would, or I'd just pass one of them out to everybody and then have them look at it. And I'd say, on the front of the card is how somebody gets a hold of you. It's your address, it's your name, it's your cell phone, it's your email, website, whatever. But you flip the card over, and on the back of the card is why they should get a hold of you. And that is the part that gets overlooked in business so many times. There are lots of junk removal companies out there growing all the time, more and more companies out there. And there are lots of realtors, thousands in the Washington, D.C. area, for example. So what the trick is, you have to come up with, in my opinion, three reasons why someone should select you instead of anybody else in your business. So when I designed this business on the back of a card, the first thing I put there, I put three reasons why you should call us, you know. Reason number one, you save 20% on your junk removal. So we're going to save money for you um, compared to other people. So if you just have a bunch of really crappy stuff and you need to get rid of it, one of the reasons you should consider calling us is because we're going to save you money and get rid of And the end result will be the same. You get rid of your stuff. The second reason was this idea of putting stuff up for sale and getting money back. With us, you can get a refund. And that sets us apart from everybody else. The first reason basically tells people we're interested in getting your business. That kind of starts to get their attention. The second reason tells them 
we're serious about trying to get your business. And then the third reason, and it's it's honestly the funnest thing I do, maybe tied uh, to actually giving money back to people, but the third reason was get a free pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream when we do your job. Nobody does that. And so with us, the idea was you'll save money, you have a chance to get some money back, and we're going to give you some Ben and Jerry's ice cream along the way. That third reason is there to kind of close the deal. The first one basically says we're in the game. The second reason says we're serious. And the third one says you're crazy if you pass us up. That's the idea. But three reasons. We don't your card and say, I'm a good guy, right? Well, everybody's, they're a good guy or lady, right? So you need to specifically say three reasons why they should get a hold of you. If the back of your card is well-written and it's simple, it's not a, you know full of three big paragraphs, you don't have that much room on the back. Simple, straightforward reasons why they should do business with you instead of any of your competitors start to separate yourself from the crowd. And that's what you want in order to get business. A little mention there about just some typical stuff, regardless of what you do, you know, and it doesn't even have to be business. If you have a business card, just remember that the front of the card tells people how to get a hold of you. The back of the card tells them why they should get a hold of you. So on our business cards, and the back is just as important, if not more so, than the front, because unless they have a reason to contact you, who cares how they're supposed to contact you, right? They make a decision to contact you, and then they go, oh, let's see, how do I do that? They don't say to themselves, oh, I have his phone number, let me think of a reason why I should call him. That's backwards. So the back of the card, just as critical, if not more so, than the front of the card. On our cards right now, we have an actual photograph of one of our customers getting an $873 check back from us, one of these big checks that we had printed up. And on the, on the right half of the back side of the card, it just tells her story very simply that she paid us 1800 bucks to clean out a house. We sold $3,400 worth of stuff. She got $873 back. And would you like to be next? It's that kind of a thing. So that little story on the back of the card educates people on what we do and how we do it. And there's a, a real life story of somebody we did it for. And that separates us from all of the other junk removal companies out there. One of the things you can do if you send us an email during the show to junkrefund at gmail.com, we will... Uh, and do it during a show, because that way we know you're listening to the show, etc. In the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, you can get a pickup truck of junk removal for $79 instead of what's normally $229. That is the best deal that is available um, for uh, that that you can get anywhere. We're on Groupon. We've done thousands of jobs for customers. Those vouchers that you buy off of Groupon.com are 99 bucks for the same pickup truck of stuff. Buy it through the radio show or just email us at junkrefundmail.com. You get the same deal for $79. You can't get that anywhere else. Special deal for the radio listeners only in the Washington, D.C. area. And we would uh, we would love to hear you. And, and you'll save money by sending us this, a simple little email. The, the amount of stuff you get hauled is the equipment pickup truck of stuff, just a regular size pickup truck filled up with stuff. I have a stuff that's about six, four feet. It's uh, 120 cubic feet. It's the equivalent of one fourth of one of our bigger trucks, which are 12 by eight by five and 480 cubic feet. It's about the size of a truck you'd rent from Home Depot, for example, if you wanted to get a box truck from them. But anyway, great deal during the radio show, only in the Washington, D.C. area. If you live in, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, we can't get down there to do a $79 job for you. We love you, but we just can't get there to haul away a pickup truck of stuff for you. But um, in the D.C. metro area, which is where we're headquartered in Bethesda, Maryland, keep that in mind. Those vouchers on the radio show are good for this area. 
So I want to talk to you about a couple of things today um, that I'm excited to talk to you about. I'm always pretty excited, to be honest with you, when I'm on this show, because it's just fun to talk about what's going on in your life and to try to help other people have a better life and have more of a decluttered life. Um, with that in mind, one of the things I just have to do a shout out. It's the first thing of this outline I created for today's show. I wrote down uh, Bryce Harper picked off at first. For those of you that are following the Major League Baseball playoffs, you'll know that the Philadelphia Phillies are ahead 2-1 to one right now over the Atlanta Braves. And the Atlanta Braves had either the best winning record in baseball or one of the top two or three winning records in baseball. It may have been the best winning record in baseball. And the other night, at the end of the game, in the bottom of the ninth inning with one out, Bryce Harper's on first base. The guy that follows him in the lineup got up and hit a line drive shot, a, a, a beautiful shot, out to deep center field that nine times out of ten bounces off the wall or goes over the wall for a home run or whatever, but it is not caught Bryce knows when they're down by one run, he's on first base, and all he's thinking about is how can I score so that we tie up this game? That's what he wants to do. So when this ball gets rocketed out to center field, he takes off, kind of keeping an eye on it, but makes a judgment call as he's getting ready to round second base that this baby's probably not going to get caught. And as he rounds second base and starts to take off for third, all of a sudden the ball gets caught with a brilliant catch by the center fielder for Atlanta, right next to the fence, up off his feet, catching it just before it hits the wall. It was a brilliant catch. I think a catch that's made maybe one in ten times. Bryce now, 20 feet or so off of past second base, has got a major problem. He's got to turn around, run back and touch second base, and get his butt back to first base, before the center fielder can throw that ball back to first base. The center fielder, to his credit, immediately after catching the ball and hitting up against the, the wall out there in center field, fires the ball back in towards the infield in an attempt to try to get Bryce uh, caught off of first base. One of the infielders, the ball bounces past one of the infielders, but the brilliant third baseman for Atlanta sees the opportunity as Bryce is hustling as fast as he can to get back to first base. He is almost there. The brilliant third baseman for Atlanta grabs the ball and instantly pivots to first base and fires it to first base. And they just barely get Bryce out before he's able to get back to the bag. Hence the double play. The game is over and Atlanta wins four to three. Now, in the commentaries that happened afterwards, and to Bryce's credit, he you know he didn't take his helmet and throw it down. He didn't get mad. He didn't kick it around. He just silently walked from first base back towards the third base dugout. The game is over. The commentaries afterwards talked about what Bryce did wrong, how he should have waited. He should have you know checked to see if the ball was going to be caught or not. Even if he catches it and Bryce runs back to first base, you still have one more batter to get up, and there's still a chance that Bryce can score. And that's easy to say after the guy catches the brilliant catch out in center field. But think about this for a second. Bryce is on first base, and Bryce has got one thing in his mind. Get to home plate. Because if he gets to home plate, the game is tied. There is no major leaguer, perhaps Ray Turner, the shortstop for Phillies, who is light, quick, fast on the bases, that I'd rather have on in that way than Bryce Harper. Because that kid wants to get home more than anybody in the game. And his determination and his zeal and his fearlessness is exactly what you want in a game situation like that. I will take Bryce Harper... Ten times out of ten, Trey Turner's not available. And it's only the speed that I would go with Trey. So why am I talking about it on a junk? Whatever the profession is, just go for it. And if, 
and and take the consequences that come along because that's just that's just the way it is. Um, in his case, he went for it, and in one case out of ten, it didn't work. So they lose, and he goes back to Philadelphia, and I'm sure is you know the brunt of the jokes. Maybe not by the Philadelphia folks, but who knows? That he's got to, you know gather himself together and move forward and do what he needs to do. Well, I don't know if you saw last night's game, but Bryce Harper hit two home runs last night, and I think drove in at least four runs, maybe six, but I think he got at least four. And the Philadelphia Phillies won 10-2. to two. So they now lead the series 2-1, to one, and they play again tonight in Philadelphia. And if they win, then Philadelphia's on to the National League Championship Series. So, anyway, hats off to somebody that's got the heart of a champion um, who is not afraid to go for broke. And if it had, if that ball had careened off the net or if it hit the fence or whatever, Bryce probably would have scored and would have been the hero of the game up to that point to get the game tied. In this case, it, it just didn't work. So... Anyway, a quick shout out there that that's one of the ways to get the junk out of your life is to go for it and don't be afraid to go for it. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not going to work. But at least you can go for it and give it a shot. And I applaud Bryce for doing just that. Now, back to the world of junk removal. Um, I am currently involved in cleaning out an office building in Falls Church, Virginia. It's a big office building vacated by some tenants. Um, I may even go back to the few years back in the COVID period, but there's a lot of stuff that they left behind. Lots of file cabinets, lots of cubicles, lots of desks, wooden desks, a boatload of office chairs, etc. So we are down there cleaning out this office building, starting with the metal, hauling off all the file cabinets, taking them to the local scrap metal yard, getting paid for the metal content, looking for aluminum that's there, which brings me to the cubicles. Those cubicles, which you're all familiar with, are kind of big and awkward and are assembled in sections. Um, What's amazing is, and kind of interesting, is that the metal that's in those cubicles is aluminum. It is not regular uh, iron-type metal. So you get paid, if you take that to a scrap metal yard, you get paid five times what you get paid if you just take regular metal in. Regular metal gets you about eight cents a pound these days. Sheet aluminum, which it's called, gets you 40 cents a pound. The problem is you can't walk in with a section of a cubicle because it has all of the fabric on it. It has some rubber in there. They use use rubber strips to basically hold these sections together. It has some plastic in there, some plastic handles that are, believe me, I know this well because I've been taking these apart so that I can turn it in as clean aluminum to get paid more for it than if I took it, took it in as metal. And the problem is you can't go in and just take them in sections as they are and even get paid the metal price because it's got insulation. It's got some kind of, not very thick, but some solid press board, I would call it, that's, that's in there. There's a little bit of insulation, there's some press board, there's some rubber, all of which is not metal. So the scrapyard is not going to say, hey, thanks, bring us some more. They're going to say, sorry, we can't take it, it needs to be cleaner. So I have been spending my time this morning cleaning off a bunch of these sections to get it down to just basically dismantling it, leaving the frame intact, but pulling all the other crap out of it and taking it to the dump so that I can turn in the clean aluminum, and get $0.40 a pound. So if you have any questions about how to take apart a cubicle, I'm telling you, I'm your guy. Uh, Email me or something, (laughs) call the show, whatever. I'll tell you more about it. Anyway, we'll come back in a few minutes. We'll take a break here for a second. We'll come back and talk to you more about what we're doing, what's happening in the world of junk removal, and uh, shout-out again to our friends at bbsradio.com who do a great job producing the show. This is Alan Cook. I'll be back with the Junk Refund Show in just a minute. Have you ever hired one of those expensive junk removal companies, then wondered what they did with the stuff? Especially the good stuff. 
At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we junk the junk. Recycle stuff like metal and wire. Donate items and get you receipts. And put up for sale the good stuff. And if it sells, you get some money back. Cynthia paid $375 for junk removal and got $3,200 back. Would you like to know how she did it? Tune in to the Junk Refund Show with your host, Alan J. Cook, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time to get the junk not only out of your home, but also out of your life. Welcome back to the Junk Refund Show. This is your host, Alan Cook, out in the Washington, D.C. area. Thrilled to be back in my apartment just telling you about uh, some of our adventures in the junk removal world, which have been interesting this last few days as we've been cleaning out an office building down in Falls Church, Virginia, and hauling a bunch of stuff out of there. Um, a lot of metal file cabinets, and uh, there are boatload of chairs down there, which are still there, office chairs. We put them up for sale, and uh, hopefully some people will come in and buy some chairs. Um so that we don't have to take them and recycle them, et cetera. But my day, the last 48 hours, has been all about office cubicles, how to uh, how to get value out of an office cubicle, which one in 10,000 people will ever have to figure out in their life. But I happen to be the one guy who has to figure that one out. And I'm doing it, and it's working, and I understand how to do it. And maybe I'll give you the process real quick just so you understand. But the reason you take it apart, which means not not the joints or anything, you're just getting the crap off of the the aluminum frame. So you can take the frame into the scrap metal yard, and they'll pay you five times for that, what they would pay you for normal metal. So it's worth doing. Um, it's not the kind of thing you want to do the rest of your you know, life all day long, but it is worth doing. And... Um, in fact, maybe I'll just take a minute and tell you the steps. Let me just tell you what I've learned. This is basically through trial and error. Um, these office cubicles are made in sections. The sections are about two or three feet, maybe three feet wide, and they stand about five feet tall. Um, they connect these sections with a long, skinny rubber strip which you, I guess you just kind of take a hammer and pound it in between the two sections on both sides, and then those two sections stand up next to each other and they don't fall down. So step number one is to separate that so you can work with an individual section. You either just bend it and push it so one side pops out, or you stick some little screwdriver down in there, pop the top of the rubber piece out, and then just pull it with your hands and the whole thing will come off and then the section is free. So step number one, get the individual sections done. Step number two, there are some two plastic handles that are kind of stuck in the middle of these things. you got to pop those out. You do that with just hitting them with a hammer or something, and then on one side pops off and the other side pops off. So you have to get rid of those. There's also a couple of, of rubber strips that run along the inside that you can just grab the top and pull that out, and they will come off. And covering this inside where these handles and other things are is about a five inch wide thin plastic strip that goes on both sides of each piece. So you got to pop those up. So what I've been doing, I've, I have loaded maybe 20 of these in the back of a pickup truck. They're different sizes. I'm, I'm letting down the tailgate of the truck and I'm just like in a local park or something, taking one of them, laying it down flat on the tailgate of the truck and basically operating on it. Once you take some of this plastic and rubber off, it's a little bit cleaner, but you still have all the fabric. And so you take a carpet knife and you cut that fabric out, which is kind of a quick process. Under the fabric is just thin sheet, a thin piece of insulation. You take that out. You throw the fabric and insulation in a trash bag. Um, do that on both sides, on, on, on the right side and the left side. And you then have the remaining fabric which is jammed down behind the edge of the fabric or the edge of the board I guess whatever we'll call it that, that, that holds it in there that's the tricky part you take some pliers you grab any any place on this where you've got this edge of fabric still there 
and you pull it away from the seam, and you'll find two rubber strips that are inside there. One is black and is thicker. One is white and is more narrow. Those are, those rubber strips keep the uh, material, the fabric, attached in the groove in the backside of the metal. You have to pull those strips out, and as you pull those strips out, then the fabric comes loose. Then you have a clean piece of metal. So you grab the black one, and you pull it, and it goes all the way around in a big rectangular shape, and you get that done, and then you grab the white one, and you pull that out, and the material comes out, and then, you, then you've gotten rid of all the material. You do that on the right side, you do it on the left side, you turn it over, you do it on the right side again, you do it on the left side. You take all the trash and the insulation and all the... the oh, and, and then then you're left with the metal frame, but in the middle of the metal frame on the top and the bottom is about a quarter, about an eighth of an inch thick piece of, I'm going to call it pressed board. It's like thick, heavy cardboard, but it's not wood, and it's not cheap cardboard. It's kind of thicker stuff. You then take a sledgehammer and you basically just bash that in a couple of times to pop that wood out. It comes out of the frame. Then you finally have a clean piece of aluminum. Now that's a lot of steps to take. That's a lot of work. But the alternative is take all that stuff to the dump and either pay to get rid of it or maybe be able to throw it off in their department where they keep metal, but they're not going to pay you anything for it. Or do what I'm doing and get 40 cents a pound for these. One of these frames, one of these sections, a smaller section, weighs about 20 pounds when it's cleaned off. 40 cents a pound gives you 8 bucks. Two or three sections gives you 16 to $25 at a scrap metal yard. Um Turning it in as metal, if they would take it, would give you about a dollar sixty. So you're getting five times what you would otherwise get for it, and maybe it takes ten minutes to ten minutes, fifteen minutes, or something to clean one of these out. So that's what I've been doing, and I still have probably fifteen sections still in my truck that need to be cleaned off so I can turn them in and get money for them for the aluminum price and make a few bucks that way. So that's what life's been like in the junk removal world for me recently. Um, to, we get calls every day from around the country. People ask us, you know, where are you located? Do you service my area? The answer is yes, we service your area. It doesn't matter where you live. We have 62 affiliates around the country that do the smaller jobs for us, and that number's always growing because we keep getting calls from areas where we don't have an affiliate yet. Um, so we keep setting up more and more affiliates. They do the smaller jobs. They don't get involved in selling anything because the junk removal guys just don't do that around the country except for us. But if you have a bigger job where it's going to be a few truckloads of stuff, we will come to you and do the job and uh, even put stuff up for sale, etc. like we've always done. A shout-out again to the, the folks at Frontier Airlines who created the Go Wild Pass, which I bought. I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, for $599. Gives me the right to fly free on Frontier for a year. All I do is pay the airport taxes, which runs about $24 per flight, per city, in other words. So I, I fly from Washington, D.C. to Salt Lake City for $25, round trip for 50 bucks. Same for Portland or Seattle or Phoenix or wherever. It's also good for international flights. And so... It's kind of easy to get around the country. Shout out to our friends at Enterprise Rental Car and the truck department where we can rent box trucks or pickup trucks to do the jobs locally. Every place in the country has a dump somewhere in the area. Some of them are expensive. Some of them are not. Every place has a Goodwill store somewhere close by that can take donations or a Salvation Army or whatever, Habitat for Humanity or whatever. Um with a dump and with a donation place close by um, and with people who will sell stuff on eBay or thrift stores or consignment stores that will allow you to take stuff in there. You can see how we don't really care where you live. It's more a question of just what you need done, and then we can can take care of it from there. So I, a couple of calls. I got a call 
two hours ago from Olathe, Kansas, where somebody has taken all of the furniture and miscellaneous stuff from, I guess it's five different apartment homes that they have, and has put it all in one two-car garage and called us. And the reason they called is because they know they might get some money back if we get involved and handle it for them. So they're sending us some photos this afternoon that shows us the garage. That way we can give them an estimate of what it would cost to get it hauled away. And then we can go from there. I was I took these calls when they come in from Kansas and Missouri because when I was 19, I was a full-time missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they assigned me to Missouri. And so I know that area, and it's always fun to go back there where I spent two years of my life as a college student-aged kid um, talking to people about God and etc. And it's always fun to go back and see the places where I visited and did a lot of work when I was 19 or 20. Um, Quick comment about next week's show. I and speaking of these young folks and talking about how to get the junk out of your life, one of the miracles that kind of exists out there is the joy that people feel and experience when they dedicate their time not to themselves but to helping other people. A great example of that is what I did when I was 19 and what some friends of mine are currently doing in my congregation that are anywhere from 18 to 25, one set of boys, one set of girls who are out here from different parts of the world and have been assigned to come to the Washington area and basically spend 60 hours a week helping people strengthen the religious commitments and the religious side of their life. And these are I'm going to have four of them on the show next week, the four that I work with in our local congregation. Um, and we're going to just let them tell their story and let you sense just how happy these folks are. But they really live a life different than their 19 million peers who are enrolled in college in the United States right now. These kids have voluntarily put their education on hold to literally go out and try to bring people more peace in their lives. They don't get paid for what they're doing. It's a volunteer thing. They don't have any say on where they get assigned. And there are 60,000 of these kids around the world doing this. I have a niece doing it right now in Paris, France. You know, I have a nephew getting married in a couple of months who was in Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, it's all over the planet. And we're going to talk with them and just let them tell you their story because it illustrates the joy that you can have in your life. And when you have more joy, it means you have less junk in your life, right? So the joy that you have in your life by focusing on helping other people, and you'll be amazed at these stories and some of these things these kids these kids do and they put up with and how they're treated and all that other good stuff. They really are four of the happier people that you'll run across, but they're living their lives differently than most for anywhere from 18 months to two years. So next week's show, you'll get to hear from four of these kids uh, live on their life, how it's going, how happy they are. You'll sense very quickly how happy they are and the kind of joy that they have. And it illustrates firsthand the power of doing something for somebody else and finding a bunch of joy in the meantime. So back to the real-life junk removal stuff that also happens. Um, we got a call from a lady in Phoenix whose mother has rented two storage facilities for a number of years. Each facility is $375 a month. These facilities are 20 feet by 15 feet by 8 feet high. The first one is about a third of the way full. The second one is a little more than two-thirds of the way full. If you took a Home Depot box truck in there and emptied these out, you'd probably make five trips, something like that. They sent us some photos last night. I gave them an estimate for it. And we charge $695 for a box truck full of stuff. Five of those is about a $3,500 job. But about a month ago, I did a special for Labor Day celebrating my jumping into the labor market when I was 15 years old and um, 
that was 1973. And so I did a deal where I made 15 of these available for $1,973 for up to five truckloads of stuff. If you have five truckloads of stuff, it's for a house or an office clean out or a storage unit clean out or whatever. If you have five of those trucks, that's a $3,500 job. Our competitors may charge you four grand or five grand. I mean, they're, they're more expensive, the bigger competitors. But just as a straight junk removal job, it's about a $3,500 job. But in this case, you can go in and buy a voucher for up to five truckloads of stuff all the way for $1,973. These folks will save a thousand bucks by this using this promotion, this special. And then, based on the stuff that's in there, the lady says, you know, she wants to kind of see, this is her daughter, who's finally talked her mom into getting rid of these storage units. Now, do the math. Two units, I think 375 a piece. Let's just say they're 350 a piece. That's 700 a month for the two storage units, and you're paying that for 12 months. That's $8,400 a year. Do that for five years. And you've paid $42,000 to have your stuff sit in a storage unit untouched. Okay? Forty-two grand. Right? That's a down payment for a home. I mean, that's a new car. That's a lot of stuff, right? 42000 bucks just to have a place for your stuff to sit. Now... I'm all in favor of storage units. I have a storage unit that I use for the stuff that we take from people's jobs that we want to put up for sale. But my goal is to keep the unit empty or get it empty each month and just keep refilling it up. Sometimes I'm good at that. Sometimes I'm horrible at it. But that storage unit replaces the retail store that we used to have where we did this. Um, But my point is beware and just, I guess, be aware of what it's costing to hold on to stuff that you're not using. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. And it adds up over the years. And eventually after, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars gets spent and the stuff just sits inside there and gets older and older, right? Then you finally go, you know what? This is kind of crazy to keep paying seven hundred bucks a month for my stuff to sit in a storage unit. So the daughter called us and sent us the photos and we gave her the information and we may be headed to Phoenix pretty soon to clean out a couple of storage units so that her mom, bless her heart, doesn't have to keep paying $700, $750 a month for the stuff to sit there and be of no value and no use to anybody. It just sits. So anyway, be aware of that. We we get this question a lot and we see it a lot where somebody, you know, will will use a storage unit for what they think is a short time frame and then years later they've paid thousands and thousands of dollars and the stuff is still sitting in the storage unit, just getting older and older and a little bit more dust and a little bit more dust and who knows what can happen. But um, just be aware of that. There's a, you know, the stuff in there might be good, but if it's not serving a purpose, then it might actually be good for nothing. And unless it's good for a purpose, hanging on to it doesn't make a lot of sense. But we all kind of do it, and we all kind of think that way. But because this is a junk removal show, I'm just encouraging you to think twice about the stuff you have in your storage units. Um, Yes, it's safe, and I'm not anti-storage units. I have one myself, but the 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 point is 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 it worth the money that you spend to have it sit there because you don't have another place for it to go? That's the point. And there's a trade-off between hanging on to it and getting rid of it. Anyway, we'll see if we end up getting that job in Phoenix. We might be doing the show from Phoenix in the next couple of weeks, sometime. But. Um, We'll keep you posted. We're going to take another break. You're listening to the Junk Refund Show. This is Alan Cook in Bethesda, Maryland, talking to you about all things junk removal, not only how to get the junk out of your home, but also how to get it out of your life on bbsradio.com. We'll be back in just a moment. Have you ever hired one of those expensive junk removal companies, then wondered what they did with the stuff, especially the good stuff? 
At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we junk the junk. Recycle stuff like metal and wire. Donate items and get you receipts. And put up for sale the good stuff. And if it sells, you get some money back. Cynthia paid $375 for junk removal and got $3,200 back. Would you like to know how she did it? Tune in to the Junk Refund Show with your host, Alan J. Cook, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time to get the junk not only out of your home, but also out of your life. Hey, welcome back to the Junk Refund Show. This is Alan Cook coming to you from the Washington, D.C. area, where we talk about all things junk removal. We like to hold ourselves out as the next generation of junk removal because we go one step further than everybody else at 1-800-JUNK-REFUND. We we take the good stuff that we think somebody might buy. We put it up for sale, and if it sells, you get some money back. That's a better mousetrap than what these other companies are doing. And we're having a lot of fun with it because we have all kinds of stories. We've done this for years about stories where people make money, get money back for stuff that we haul away. We did a job in Wisconsin a couple of months ago where it was a storage unit. We cleaned it out, and in the bottom of one of the plastic bins was five or six small boxes. They almost looked like jewelry boxes, but they were a little bit bigger, and inside those boxes were some coins. We took those coins eventually the next couple of days. We were doing a job in Chicago. We took it to a coin dealer in Chicago who bought the coins for $650. The people in Wisconsin get $280 back as a refund for stuff that they didn't even know was in the storage unit. Now, other junk removal companies are going to take that and either just toss it and never realize that the coins were in there, or the drivers of the vehicles will see it and go, hey, cool, I just got rich, and they'll take it home, and the lady that hired them have no idea about what happened to it, won't even know that there were any coins in there. Um, you know, there's, And we're trying to kind of think win-win and do the right thing, and since people hire us to clean their stuff out, we're going to try to do the right thing with it. And so we do four things with the stuff. We junk the junk, we recycle stuff like metal and wire, we donate items and get your donation receipts, and we put the good stuff up for sale, and if it sells, you get some money back. Hence the refund part of, of what we do. So that's kind of how we approach it, and it's what we do, and we do it all over the country. We've done it for years. We have the best stories because we're the ones that find the value and give money back to people. And that's frankly just a lot of fun, and we enjoy doing it that way, and it works out well. So a quick comment here about another topic. Um, again, talking about how to get the junk out of your life. Um, I served maybe 20 years ago. They asked me to be the bishop of our church congregation. That is not a paid position. That is a, hey, we'd like you to do this for about five years, and you're, also, you know, you're in the meantime employed doing other stuff. And in the congregation that I had, we had maybe three or 400 people in there total, a bunch of really quality teenage kids, about, I don't know, 65 of them or so, between the boys and girls, kind of equally equally divvied up. And out of those 65 kids, um, probably 60 of them were there at church every week and coming over during the week for kind of youth night during the week. It's a very active group of people. In the congregations in our general area, in the North Potomac, Maryland area at that time, this was as active and as good a group as young people as we had in any congregation. You just had more more youth your age coming to church each week than most of your peers in our church in other areas. We just had an, a, a very big group of youth. So what was interesting is when you're the bishop, you know, people will come and talk to you one-on-one, and I would have some kid that say he's 14 years old or something would come in and he'd say, Bishop, I just, I just don't, I feel like I don't have enough friends. 
And then a young lady, you know, a couple of months later would come in and, Bishop, I, I just wish I had more friends. And this happened four or five times, you know, in this group where you've got a bunch of kind of like-minded people that share your same values who are here every week going to church with you, and yet you've got kids, teenagers coming into you and saying, I don't have enough friends. How do I get more? What, you know, I just, it was basically a complaint that I, I wish I had more friends. Well, after this happened about half a dozen times, when the next person came in and said, Bishop, I just feel like I don't have enough friends, I simply said, when's the last time you threw a party? Right? And I started to encourage these kids, look, throw a party. I did it for our own daughter. And we had a party, and she invited high school friends and church friends. And, you know, we probably had 30 kids at the house or something like that. They're playing ping pong and pool downstairs. They're just having a blast. There's refreshments and food. And you give people a chance to make more friends, right? And so you have to be a little bit proactive to do that. Now, they say that about half the people in the United States are um, introverts and about half are extroverts, and that's a good blend. You know, that's that's just fine. And... One of the things that I do, I'm, I'm on the extrovert side of things. I don't seem to have much problem making friends. I tend to make them pretty much wherever I go, and I don't care what their, you know, what their status is, what their ethnic background is, what their religious beliefs are, what their education is, you know, how old they are. It just doesn't matter. I'm just one of these guys that tends to make friends kind of easily. And I think one of the keys to doing that, and, and, and I guess the reason I'm talking about this on a junk refund show, is that if you learn some things about how to make more friends, you'll get rid of some of the loneliness junk that's in your life that might be bugging you. And everybody loves to have more friends, but most of us haven't realized yet that they're just not naturally going to come to you. You have to do some stuff. You have to reach out a little bit. And if you do that, you'll quickly have more friends than you can manage. There are a lot of people who do not like being alone and that they, they hate being alone. I've got a stepfather who hates being alone, right? And has been married for 33 years to my mother, and they are at age 90 and 92, respectively, doing just great. But they're not alone. They have each other, right? So I'm one of these guys who pretty much wherever I go whatever situation I'm in, I tend to make friends pretty quickly. One of the reasons for that is because I'm accustomed to just asking people to, to saying hi or asking how they're doing or, you know, whatever it might be. Just simple, you know, how are you? Simple introductory comments to people that, that they appreciate that are not threatening. One of the other things that I enjoy doing. I enjoy just kind of observing. I'm, I enjoy looking at what people are wearing, what they're saying, what they're doing, um, how they're acting. I'm just trying to, you know, listening to their conversations. I'm just observing what I see happening and then making comments about it. When I was 19 years old, I, I was a church missionary out in Manhattan, Kansas. Those of you who are Kansas State fans, University of Kansas State, for example, Kansas State University, I guess is a better way to say it, will recognize Manhattan because that's where the university is. And I was in Washington, D.C. maybe two years ago, and I walked into a Subway sandwich shop, and lo and behold, there's a guy a couple of people ahead of me in line wearing a purple Kansas State University um, sweatshirt. And on the back, it just said KSU with a wildcat underneath it. And I went, hey, that's Kansas State. And I was right. So as he got to the end of the line, picked up his order, paid for it, and started to walk out, I said, hey, I, I like your sweatshirt. Now, <clears throat> now, no rational person is going to suddenly get mad at you because you told them that you like something about what they're wearing or doing or saying. It's a compliment to them, and they're going to like that. So I said, hey, I like your sweatshirt. I said, that's Kansas State, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, I was a missionary for our church when I was 19 in Manhattan. I don't need to say Manhattan, Kansas, because he knows it's in Kansas because he's wearing a shirt. And he said, oh, I just live 20 minutes north of Manhattan. 
So we chatted for a few minutes about Manhattan, Kansas, and about Kansas State University and the Wildcats and etc. right? Well, guess what? I have a new friend that was a stranger five minutes earlier, is now a friend, and the thing that linked us was Kansas State University. I'm always looking for some kind of a common link between um, you know me and somebody else, something that I have in common with a stranger that I can comment on, because that's the bridge that kind of starts to build a relationship between me and them. And I enjoy doing that because I learn an awful lot from getting more and more friends. Everybody's got a story to tell. Technically, everybody could do a radio show just by telling their own stories and what they've learned in life, right? But most people don't, and that's fine. But in my case, I just love the interaction that you get with other people in learning about what they're doing or what their adventure has been like, what their life has been like, and is there something I have in common with them? Because if there is, then I've got the basis for a conversation to happen. But there's a key here. If you focus on what other people are doing or saying or wearing or how they're acting, it's all about the other guy. It's all about the other person. It's not about you. It's about the other person. So if you make a comment to them about what they're doing, wearing, saying, etc., you'll make a friend really fast. And, and all the compliments that you give to somebody obviously have to be sincere and natural. Otherwise, people are very smart and they can sense someone who's faking it really fast, right? So genuine compliments and observations of what other people are doing or saying or wearing or buying or whatever it might be, whatever they're doing, just observe and look for something that you have in common with them. And don't be afraid to say something about it. You know, most people want to have more friends, but don't really know how to go out and get them. Some people just seem to be naturally good at getting lots of friends, and everywhere they turn, they're making more friends, right? And so I'm kind of in that latter category. So perhaps that's something that I can add in and and talk about. In that light, let me tell you how to do it on a bigger scale, um, some fun things that have happened to me in my life about how to increase your friends. Everybody knows who Warren Buffett is, the Oracle of Omaha, they call him, one of the world's richest people, investment guy, brilliant guy, lives in Omaha, Nebraska. He's now 92 years old. His partner, Charlie Munger, is 98 years old, an attorney who lives out in California. And these guys founded Berkshire Hathaway and Thousands and thousands of people descend on Omaha every May to go to the annual meeting where Charlie and Warren sit behind a table and answer questions for like most of the day. And it, they, the best investment advice that is out there, and this is from when I started my career in sales, I was an investment counselor with Smith Barney, and I did it for 10 years. And I, I learned about Warren and his success as an investor and how much money he had made for other people, the best investment advice out there, in my opinion, are his annual letters to the shareholders that are found in the Berkshire Hathaway annual reports, where he takes a few pages and basically says, here's what's happened this last year, and he gives his philosophies of life, and he mixes humor with it, and he talks about investments they've made, and it's just he's just a brilliant guy all the way around, and a wonderful person. So I had followed him for many years. I read his annual reports, and I'm just really grateful to him for everything that he's taught me. Well, I saw on my, I guess on my phone one day or something, I saw or read something somewhere where his wife, every day, puts $2.87 exact change in his car so that on the way to work, he has a five-minute commute to work. He goes past McDonald's. He takes the money and he buys a sausage egg McMuffin on his way to work, and that's his breakfast. So his wonderful wife makes sure, now this is a multi-billionaire, folks, his wonderful wife makes sure that the exact amount of change is in his car every day. Now, he's lived in the same house for like 45 years or something like that. He has a five-minute ride into, into work. He still goes into work every day at 92 
And he basically tap dances into work. He has so much fun doing what he does. So I'm one of these guys who, at Christmas time, loves to send out Christmas cards. And I read about this thing where his wife does this. And I went, you know what? As, as a Christmas present to Warren Buffett this year, I'm going to give his wife the day off. And I'm going to send him $3 and a Christmas card and explain the purpose. And so I did. I got a Christmas card. I put $3 in there. I explained that I want to give your wife the day off. This is your Christmas gift. Uh, use it, you know, the next time you go to McDonald's. Thanks for everything you've taught me. Sign my name. Send it off. This was six or seven years ago. Two weeks later, I got a letter back from Berkshire Hathaway's corporate office in Omaha, Nebraska. There's a typed letter inside from Warren Buffett, chairman, right? Larry said, Dear Alan, thank you very much for your generous contribution of $3 as my Christmas gift, which I spent this morning at McDonald's on the way to work. And then he makes this brilliant statement. He says, it was great of you to remember me. Now think about that statement for a moment. This is a guy who gets 300 letters a day. And I'm sure doesn't have time to respond to all of them, right? I sent him $3 for Christmas to give his wife the day off. And he takes the time to have his secretary put a letter together and sends it out to me and tells me, you know, it was great of you to remember me, okay? So guess what I did the next year? Same thing. Sent him another three bucks. Next year, I got a handwritten note back from him on his stationery, little notepad, thanked me again for what, what I had given him, and etc. He and I have been doing this now for about six years. Every Christmas, I send him three bucks. Every Christmas, I get a note back thanking me for the money and telling me about what he's done lately. A, a couple of years in to doing this, I actually bought and sold a stock that year and made a decent amount of money. So I told him about it in my little Christmas card to him and said, I'm, I'm including an extra $3 so your wife can go on a shopping spree. And I said, because she's married to you, I expect her to get a, you know, buy at least $10 worth of stuff for the $3. Merry Christmas, you're the best, Alan. Send it off. Six dollars. Two weeks later, I get a handwritten note coming back from Warren Buffett. Dear Alan, thank you very much for the six dollars which you sent us recently. It was greatly needed this year. Folks, this is a guy who, if he takes his business debit card out, goes into an ATM and pulls out $40 cash to go to 7-Eleven, and it prints out the balance that's available in cash in his business account, the balance at the bottom is about $130 billion. Okay? So this is a guy who said, he writes me this note, thank you very much for your kind you know, gift to me and my wife. It was greatly needed this year. A brilliant statement on his part. And then he says, and by the way, if you're worried about how well my wife is going to spend the money, don't. She's even cheaper than I am. Merry Christmas, Warren Buffett. Now, that's how you make friends. You just reach out in some kind of a creative way that you think is customized for them. With Warren, it's all about sending him $3 and because he's going to, you know, I'm going to give his wife a day off and he's going to take the money and go buy a sausage, egg, McMuffin, and McDonald's on his way into work. That has built now into a six-year friendship with one of the world's richest men. So that's how you make friends. You simply reach out, think of something kind of creative to do, and do what Bryce Harper did from first base, try and score. And most of the time, you're going to score. So it's been fun talking to you this week. There's a little two bits about how to make friends with people even, and if you do, you get rid of some of the junk, some of the loneliness junk that might be in your life. And in this case, it can even be some of the world's richest people. It still works. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, Thursday at 3, my favorite time each week to do the Junk Refund Show on DBS Radio. Have a great time getting the junk out of your homes and out of your lives. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to the Junk Refund Show, the longest-running junk removal radio show on the air. Join us next week as we discuss innovative ways to declutter your home, your business, and your life using 20 years of junk removal experience. Find out why we give out free ice cream gift cards to our clients, too. In upcoming shows, we will explore how to get the junk out of your relationships, your spiritual life, your waistline, even your travel life. Plus, call in with questions and situations you would like some help with. At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we are committed to bringing the next generation of junk removal because not all junk is junk. See you next week on the Junk Refund Show every Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. Eastern Time right here on BBS Radio TV.